Some more exciting answers to the baffling and intriguing questions of science. Up and Adam, science on FBI. Hello, you're listening to Up and Adam, and instead of having Dr. Alice Williamson in today, we have a Tom Gordon. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm well, thanks. How are you? Uh, would you like to tell the listeners what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Tom, and I'm a senior science communicator at the School of Physics at Sydney University. So I work less closely with Alice, but my job is to run outreach programs for high school students and university students, do a little bit of research in my spare time as well, uh, trying to figure out what about experiments and investigations uh, is it that a student learns from. Yeah, great. Everyone, everyone says, you know, you learn from doing hands-on, but but I'm trying to figure out what it is you learn and how you learn from doing it. Yeah, isn't there different types of learning styles as well? Yeah, for sure. So you can you can do hands-on uh, open investigation where basically you run everything, or you can do a, you can have a look at a demonstration, so you can observe some experiment as well, and you'll learn different things based on what you're doing. Oh, cool. Well, you're here to fill in for Dr. Alice Williamson because obviously. The girl needs a break every now and then. <laughs> um, and so today, specifically, what we wanted to talk about was uh, the 14th of March, a.k.a. Pi Day. Indeed. A lot happened. Do you want to run us through it? Yeah, sure. It, it was a big day. So it was last Wednesday, the 14th of March, and it's a big day for, for science nerds around the place <laughs> or science appreciators. Um, 14th of March is, yeah, three point... So it's actually American Pi Day because we do we would do the 14th of March, so 143, but yeah. the Americans, they do March 314. So, uh, and especially at like... Um, 3.29 o'clock or something like that, because that's 1.529. That's the rest of the ah. digits of pi. Yeah. So uh, we get really excited about that. And it's all about circles and cycles. So anything that's circular or, or in a cycle or has to do with trigonometry or any of that sort of... Basically any science, pi shows up. So we celebrate all that stuff on Pi Day. Perfect. Um, and and it, it was really it was, it was a lovely day because it's also Einstein's birthday, which was March fourteenth. So we all, you know, say a quick happy birthday to Einstein, which is lovely. A known science man. Yeah, this is such a sciencey day. A, another not so great thing happened. Stephen Hawking died. Yes, um, it it was it was a huge day. So there was lots of research that came out. Einstein's birthday and Stephen Hawking died. Now, considering that he was given two years. Uh, when he was you know, 23 or something, he wasn't even finished his PhD, and he was told that he wasn't going to live, and he lived, you know, many many years after that, which was really fantastic. But it was just an opportunity for us to celebrate the the incredible mind that that guy had. Such an interesting character, kind of a joker, like a prankster all the way through, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just an incredible mind. He's given us some things that we still talk about today, um, with a sense of humour. Um, the, I mean, an example of that is is a story I've heard about Stephen Hawking is that he held a party and was called the Time Traveller's Party. So he held the party on, say, a Sunday night uh, and then sent the invitations out on Monday morning. Aww. Because he wanted to invite all the time travellers. Oh, that's so cute. Right? So he held the party. There's a photo of him in his house with banners and balloons and champagne glasses and he's all dressed up and canapes everywhere, but no one's there. No one turned up. <laughs> so then he sent the, the invitation out the next day, inviting all the time travellers to come back to that time and that location on that date. Now, no one turned up, which it means one of two things, right? One, either there's no time travellers or two, 
no time traveller wants to go to a party with Stephen Hawking. Which I don't believe. <laughs> so, I don't know, there's something real sus about that. Maybe they all had other things on, though. Maybe they did. Maybe they were very if busy. they have all of time, they were probably <laughs> at some other event. I just think that's a very cheeky way of trying to make a point. And the point is, we don't have time travel yet. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's cheeky because it's like, who would stand me up? Me, Stephen Hawking. (laughs) Very cheeky. Uh, Something else happened on this day. It was a discovery and you were talking about pie and cycles and stuff like that. And it kind of all comes together, right? Yes. So uh, a a piece of research that came out from a group uh, in WA, um, from the University of WA and other places, um, which was about galaxies and how fast they spin. And I think it's brilliant that this comes out on Pi Day, like you said, because it's all about circles and, you know, things spinning. So the research that they that they released is this idea that no matter what the size of a galaxy, it's still going to spin at the same rate. And they figured out that rate was about one gig a year or a billion years. Whoa. So no matter what the size of a galaxy, it takes about a billion years for them to rotate around on themselves. So if you stood on the outside of a galaxy... yes take you a billion years to get back. Yes. Now, they found this for large spiral galaxies or small irregular galaxies. It doesn't matter what the size, it still spins. Now, that is very weird. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like if you're sitting on a chair and you're spinning around, and I know people do this, and you have your hands right in close to you, right? You're spinning kind of fast. But if you throw your hands out, you slow down, like a figure skater. They yeah. throw their hands out and they slow down. We actually, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the science of doing the triple axle. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So it's like that. But if instead, if you throw your hands out, you stay the same speed. Oh. And that's very strange. That doesn't quite make any sense. To do that, to make that happen, you'd have to increase something or change something. Like your mass would have to increase as you throw your hands out. Wow, what, is, what does this mean then? Yet yeah, no one knows. It, it means either we've got it wrong or we need to do some more research. And this is one of the big points that I wanted to mention. They've, they've surveyed 30 galaxies. So that's not very many, considering there's billions and billions and billions of galaxies for us to look at. So this study surveyed 30 galaxies and we should probably look at some more. And even in their conclusion, they said, this is probably an effect of we've only studied 30 galaxies. And they chose some galaxies you know, for a, for a reason, and it could be that choice that is making all of these galaxies uh, spin or seem to spin at one billion years. Or it means something else is changing inside the galaxy that we don't know about. Um, straight away, you think of dark matter because oh. we don't really understand dark matter very well. So this could be an effect due to dark matter. If it is, we don't understand it, and then basically everything we know about galaxies is wrong. Whoa. And isn't that cool? Like, that's great. because then For we the could... 14th of March, <laughs> we just had all of science just slap us in the face, basically, is what you're trying to say. Um, that's a, that's a ch- there's a chance that that's the, that's the case. Wow. But to answer that question correctly, we have to do good science, right? So we have to go and survey some more galaxies, ask different questions, and try and make sure that we understand what we're, what we're saying. Because that's big. That's huge. Yeah. And how is this going to impact the field? Like, how? why is it important to know where galaxies end and how they spin? Yeah, sure. So the way that it's going to immediately impact the field is we're all going to start asking these questions. It's going to be on our mind. Like, every time we see a, a galaxy, we're going to start thinking about how fast it spins and why it's doing that. It's, it's going to have a, a long-term impact because if it is a thing that we have measured, or even if it's not, we need to. Th- it, it tells us how the universe is made. 
And we're trying to figure out how galaxies are formed, therefore how the universe behaves. If we understand how the universe behaves, then we know a little bit more about us and ourselves and our place in the universe. It's essentially pure science because we get to answer a question, a fundamental question about what it is that we are and where we came from. Wow, I've got goosebumps a little bit. <laughs> That's really cool. And it's right bang on in the middle of Up and Adam with Tom Gordon, who's filling in for Dr. Alice Williamson today. Uh, we were just talking about how big March 14th was and how mind-blowing this new discovery was about galaxies and spinning. And Tom, now we want to talk about uh, a new type of battery that's being developed. Yeah, sure. So this is a, a battery. It's called the proton battery. And like, I could just stop there. It just sounds awesome. Proton. Yeah. It reminds me of Roger Ramjet and the proton pill. And <laughs> Anyway, but proton battery, this is a, a research that's come out of RMIT in Melbourne. And what they've done is they've kind of mixed a normal, like a conventional battery with a, a water kind of hydrogen fuel cell battery. So it's a bit of a hybrid of both of those. And it takes the best from both worlds of those different types of batteries. And it's trying to answer the question of how we're going to um, supply our energy needs of the future. So we have huge energy demands right now and there's more and more of us taking more and more energy so we're going to have to think about how we create energy and how we store energy and how we provide energy in the near future the very very near future and this is kind of one of those ways of answering the question so what it is is it's kind of like like i said a, a combination of conventional batteries and hydrogen cell batteries but kind of a reverse hydrogen fuel cell as well the way that it works is you get water and you uh, you split the water uh, which takes some protons so protons are just a little um, positively charged parts of a, of, a water, of a hydrogen atom and they get put into this porous carbon material and from there you can use them. You can use these protons slash you know, electrons or charged particles in, from this porous carbon material and that's in the energy use phase. But what you can do is you can reverse that. So you take them from the porous carbon material back to combine with water and then you've got your water again. So you can go the opposite way to charge your battery. The cool thing about that is that there's no burning, there is no emissions, it's very easy to do. This is what the researchers from RMIT say, and it's really safe. So there's safe energy storage that's essentially a reverse hydrogen fuel cell that we can use now. So what would what would we uh, use it for? Like. I'm, yeah. When you say batteries, I think of your double A's. Yeah, so it depends. These, these things are, are apparently very scalable. So you could use it for charging your phone, charging your electric car, running your house, or half a city. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's a medium-scale kind of technology, so it's not going to solve all of the, the problems that we have, but it's certainly going to help. Now, there's a lot of talk in Australia now about... Um, fuel cells or batteries. So, for example, in South Australia, they've got the, the Tesla Gigafactory there. Yeah. Now, that doesn't solve all their problems, but it certainly helps with some of their problems. And this proton battery will do a similar thing. So you could essentially run your house, charge your car, charge your devices, all of that, or store enough energy to assist with running a city. Wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Do you think we'll be able to expect these sometime soon? So the research has, has only just come out uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, it works well, which is good news because they're going to start making this bigger. Like I said, it's kind of easily scalable, making it bigger, making it cheaper and more accessible. So 
you know, a few years, yes, um, but the technology is there. And it's just another way of solving that problem. With energy, you're not going to ever get one solution that fixes all of your problems. Yeah. It's going to be a combination of many things. And that's going to be renewables. That's going to be proton batteries. That's going to be, you know, Tesla power walls. It's going to be a lot of things. And this is just one of those things that's going to help. Do you think it's going to cost us much more? Like when people are going, oh, well, why don't we just get solar panels? And then you realize that solar panels actually cost money and stuff <laughs> like that. Do you think it's going to cost us quite a bit more to make the change? It, it, it depends on how you look at that. I'm, I'm not sure how much it's going to cost, um, but I do know that if we don't do anything, it's going to cost us much, much more than buying a solar panel. Definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I mean, that's really great that we have another option out there and also really cool that it's research coming out of Australia. For sure. And the really the thing that I really like about this is, like I said, we've got huge energy problems and we will in the future have massive energy problems. So we have to solve those problems now. So this is a career path for many, many young scientists to go and help solve those problems. And these are going to be huge, huge problems. I can't say that word enough, huge problems. That We need people to go and do science, to go and think about how to solve our energy problems because they're going to be big. Well, thank you so much for Tom Gordon for hitting us with all these science facts today. Um, you're going to be back next week for Up and Adam, is that yes, correct? Yes, I am. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for filling in for Dr. Alice Williamson today for Up and Adam, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.